Welcome to Real Paranormal Activity, the network. Entertainment you'll enjoy. You are listening to an RPA production where people gather. Ladies and gentlemen, RPA is proud to present Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Hi, I'm Phil Hughes. And I'm Jen Doherty. We're the creators of The Workshop Presents. And you're listening to Aaron's Horror Show with Aaron Frail. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show Season 3, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. We're going to go ahead and talk about movies, TV, and read some fiction. If you want to get hold of the show, you can go ahead and go to Facebook.com, Aaron's Horror Show, or you can go to Twitter.com, Aaron Horror Show, or you can go ahead and send us an email at Show at gmail.com. Uh, you can also go ahead and support the show by going to Patreon.com forward slash Aaron Frail. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy the show. Welcome to Aaron's Horror Show, and I'm your host, Aaron Frail. All right, I got a fun movie for you. It is called I Am Mother, and it's on Netflix. I'm also going to talk about spoilers, so if you don't like to be spoiled, go ahead and go to Netflix now, watch the movie, and then come back and listen to the podcast. All right, you watched it? Good. Let's talk about I Am Mother. Uh, so, I, you know, I like this one. I, I don't think I, I will go and put it in my top 20 movie list but you know I, I enjoyed the hour and a half that I watched it I wouldn't necessarily say that it's a movie I'm watching so you don't have to I think it's something if you're into these type of movies maybe it's a good one to check out if it's not uh, usually your genre or your your cup of you know if you're not into the the type of movie it is I'd say maybe skip it you know I'm, I'm one of those people that think you know a really good movie transcends genre you know like like you could watch a, a good drama let's say and maybe you're not into drama at all but if it's a really good drama I you know I think you could get into it because I think any movie that's just really good uh, you know, transcends it. So, like, you know, for example, horror movies. If, if you know, the horror movie is, like, just a really good horror movie, I think people that don't like horror movies might actually get into it uh, because it's just a good a good movie, you know? So, you know, uh, but, you know, movies that aren't necessarily on, like, the top of the, the good movie lists uh, that are, you know, good to watch, uh Maybe they don't transcend their genre too much. So, you know, if you like post-apocalyptic uh, science fiction, then uh, I Am Mother is your movie. Uh, if you're not too much into post-apocalyptic science fiction, then I'd maybe suggest skipping it. Uh, but, you know, on to the, on to the review. So uh, this is a low-budget movie. And, uh, you know, when you, when you watch this movie, you're going to be like, man, Aaron, I don't see why it's low-budget. There's some pretty cool looking computer graphics in there and and uh, you know I think computer graphics the cost of them has just gone down so dramatically that that you can access uh, that technology on a lower budget and have things still look pretty good for 
not as much as you know you would you would have paid maybe even five years ago for for the same level of uh graphics so you know uh you're seeing computer graphics just you know bottom out in, in price and and uh you know because of that you're starting to see more stories like i am mother uh what makes it low budget to me is that there's only two actors in the film uh possibly three if uh they did one of those like Andy Circus suits for the the robot. Yeah, Andy Circus is the guy that played Gollum, and you know it's one of those suits where they they uh, have a real actor playing an animated character, and they use the body movements of that actor to uh, to make their animation from so it looks you know very realistic. And uh, the robot could have been played by a person that way. It also could have been just a voice uh, actor. Uh, but there's two actual humans you see on the screen, <laughs> so two two people, plus a third, depending on how they they ended up doing the robot. But uh, and then there's also only a very limited amount of locations. Uh, so you know what what makes a movie low budget these days is having a very minimal cast and a very minimal amount of location. So if you ever see a movie, you know, that takes place in the same place pretty much the entire movie, and then there's also, you know, a very small amount of actors, it means that they didn't have a lot of money, you know. Uh, switching locations is really expensive in the film industry, right? Because you have to pack up everything from one location and set it all up at another location. Uh, same thing with uh, actors. They cost a lot of money. Uh, you know, back in the day, I remember, you know, so we had, uh, in, in Hamlet the Vampire Slayer, we had a, a guy who uh, was in the Screen Actors Guild, and and uh, so uh, that's SAG, by the way, so he was in SAG, and, and SAG has this rule that you can't be in a movie without being paid the SAG rates, and for most independent filmmakers like we were, that you know, we were paying people in Doritos, like, <laughs> like you know, come be in our movie, and we'll make sure that you have a, a cooler full of soda and, and some Doritos to eat while you're there, you know, like that. That's how we paid people. Uh, and uh, you know, so Screen Actors Guild uh, at the time we were making it, you know, uh, 2006 is when we were filming. Uh, it cost seven hundred dollars a day to pay someone with lines you know that was the minimum that a sag person could make uh for you know having lines and that includes people with like one line you know like like look at it's godzilla like <laughs> like if someone just said that the entire movie then they get paid 700 dollars for that day of shooting uh so you can see why you know uh acting is pretty lucrative you know uh you know i i could i could tell you a story about you know this person I knew, he was like a friend of a friend, and, you know, he, he was an actor and got a, got a part on a, you know, a TV series, and, you know, it was maybe five, six episodes or something, but it was a pretty decent amount of money. It was enough to buy a Jaguar, right? So he bought this really fancy car, but then he didn't get any acting roles again after that, and so he was like the only, like, waiter at Denny's who was, who was driving a Jaguar, right? So, you know... uh you know, some some actors are, are really good with their money, and they they use the the bounty they get to kind of keep them afloat, so they can get their next role. And and others, uh, you know, go back to the workforce with whatever toy they bought from their their acting gig, right? 
So, you know, uh, but yeah, a lot of people that I know that were kind of in the, in, in the movies, you know, I had to really, you know, they get a lot of money for doing something, but they'd have to make it last because, you know, they could not work again for six months a year or something like that. So like they, uh, you, you know, you get a lot, but you gotta, you gotta really fight hard to get that next, that next gig. So, but anyways, back to the story, uh where we had a guy in the Screen Actors Guild. And, and the funny thing is, he didn't even know he was in the Screen Actors Guild. He was like, like basically became a member when he was a kid for some commercial work he did. Like the way to get in the Screen Actors Guild is you got to get a certain amount of jobs and then you can just join it and, and pay your dues, you know. And so he had enough jobs to join when he was a kid. And his mom apparently had been paying the, the Screen Actor Guild dues every year, unbeknownst to him. So he, like, like was in it, but didn't realize he was in it, which kind of put us in, in a weird bind because, uh, like, literally, the Screen Actors Guild could come sue you, the filmmaker, for not paying the actor what you should, you know? And, and they have been known to do that from what we heard. But we kind of did this funny workaround where he just changed his name right so he he didn't use his real name on our film and uh <laughs> that's how we kind of got around that uh because he wanted to do the film like he wasn't actually really making real money <laughs> acting at the time you know i think he you know I've, I've seen him on quite a bit since since our movie and i think he's doing pretty well for himself as far as acting is concerned but uh you know, at the time, he he just wanted to do the do the work. He didn't want to. <laughs> he didn't care about getting paid. Uh, so, anyways, yeah. So, knowing that you know, minimum somebody's getting is seven hundred, probably more than that nowadays. I mean, that was like I said, two thousand six. So, I guess their their rates probably gone up. So, knowing you're spending seven hundred bucks a day to have a speaking role, and uh, you know, that's why the I am mother is low budget because you only got two people you're paying at that salary, right? <laughs> so, uh, and 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 they're both you know like people that I've never heard of before, so they probably are making the minimum, right? You know, then you you, you get a little better actor in, and of course they're going to want more than the minimum. So you know, movies pretty expensive uh, to make, you know, and and that's why like you're watching a a sitcom or a TV show or something, and you have an extra come in and they. They're like standing next to the main character in conversation, but they don't say anything. They just smile and nod and and all that kind of stuff because they don't say anything. They actually you can pay way less. I think it's like minimum wage or something. Like like the difference between speaking and non speaking is just tremendous. So you know, like you can. That's why people come in 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 like especially comedies and just sit there and smile and nod and don't say anything at all because. They can't afford to pay him a speaking role, so they, they turn him into a non-speaking role, you know? Uh, so anyways, yeah, so I Am Mother has that uh, sort of low-budget low, low budget feel to it. You know, it takes place in an underground bunker, and, uh, you know, it's about this little girl that's raised by a robot. So what happens in, in the very beginning of the movie is the apocalypse happens. You don't really know exactly what happens because you're in the bunker the whole time. And so anyways, the apocalypse happens, everyone, you know, humanity goes extinct, so this bunker activates and starts making babies from, like, I think it says that it has, like, 60,000 human embryos or something. And so it makes this little girl, 
And there's a sequences in the beginning of, of this little girl being raised by the robot and and being taught by the robot and having birthday parties from the robot, you know, like the the robot is basically the human's mother. And uh, she, you know, that calls the robot mother. And uh, you get the sense that, you know, the robot is kind of experimenting on her because, like, the mission of the robot is to, like, repopulate humanity, like, with the 60,000 embryos. But you get the sense that the only reason she only... The, the robot revived one of the embryos and not any of the others is because it wants to make sure that it gets it right and uh, doesn't screw up humanity or something. So you get the idea that there's this weird experiment going on. And then, you know, kind of in the middle of this, the human, she eventually grows up and becomes a teenager. And that's kind of when the main storyline uh, uh, starts to take effect. One, one, one night... Uh, when the robot's recharging, she, you know, wakes up and finds a rat has chewed through some power cables, and uh, she's, like, really excited by the rat and, and, and says, look, there's a rat, and, and the robot's like, that's impossible. There's something really bad outside the walls of the bunker, and nothing can survive. So, you know, the human is like, well, wait, you know, the the teenager, she's kind of like, well if the rat came from outside the walls, maybe it isn't so bad out there. So she gets curious and and goes to the door of the bunker. And when she does, there happens to be a human on the other side, like a, an actual other living human. And so she lets this person in and eventually decides to hide this person from the robot. And you get the sense that, you know, people can survive outside of the bunker, so the robot's lying to her, right? Uh, even though the robot is her mother, and she calls the robot mother and everything. So you, you get this weird sense that there's something happening out there, and uh, eventually the the uh, human and the robot finally meet each other. You know, the, the robot discovers she's had let this other person in, and and the human just completely freaks out and starts to shoot <laughs> the robot and is like, oh my god, it's one of those. Uh, and you get the sense that there's like robots like the one in the bunker that are just like killing humans. So you eventually find out that, you know, through this other person that the apocalypse is, you know, the Terminator apocalypse basically where uh, robots are just killing people, you know, for no reason. Uh, eventually, you know, it becomes this weird thing where... You know, even though the, she shoots the robot, the, the mother robot, uh, Motherbot, we'll call her. So even though she shoots Motherbot, uh, the the teenage daughter convinces Motherbot that, you know, they really need to help this woman. So, you know, because this woman has been shot herself and is bleeding and, and really needs surgery. And eventually the Motherbot says, sure, we'll help her. You know, we'll we'll help her out and, and shows that, you know, the Motherbot's kind of a nice robot. And... But, you know, the human doesn't trust Motherbot at all, and, and, and eventually the the teenage girl decides to do the surgery under the guidance of the Motherbot uh, because the human won't let the Motherbot touch her. Uh, the human also refuses sedation, you know, so it's a little bit gruesome in the sense that she's awake, and, and eventually she passes out from the pain during the surgery, and the, you know, the human wakes up and has been mended and and gets a little bit more trusting of the bot, but not really. Uh, and then eventually you kind of find out that uh, 
you know, the, the human wants to run away with the girl and, uh, you know, they go outside the walls and they find that there's all these cornfields where these robots are tending the cornfields and, and you get the sense that the robots are preparing, you know, the earth for humans. And then you suddenly realize that, uh, you know, the robot all this time is uh, been basically like was the one that destroyed humanity so it, you know the robot could rebuild a better humanity so that's the motivation of the robot and and then you also find that there has been more experiments before this teenage girl that have failed and and were basically killed and incinerated by the robot so there's other humans that the robot raised that she ended up killing because she didn't think they were fit to you know, uh, basically repopulate the planet. So, you know, you get a sense that this is kind of a screwed up robot because the robot is uh, trying to, you know, rebuild humanity, uh, doing it and basically doing it by destroying it and then having this weird closed system where it's going to raise humanity again, uh, you know, and uh, let it let it go. I, I won't really kind of get to the final conflict but you know it's pretty tense final conflict at the end where you know the 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 girl is in the bunker confronting the robot and there's all these war bots that they found on the surface trying to break in and and all this kind of stuff and and uh yeah so it's a, a big tense finale and i'll you know i'll let you have that I won't spoil that moment for you, but uh, I did spoil, like, you know, the motivation of the robot. What What's the robot hiding? Uh, so, <laughs> you know, uh, but yeah, so, you know, overall, I think it's a, it's a pretty good movie. I think, I think uh, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with it. I wouldn't necessarily say that it's the best movie I've ever seen, mainly because uh, I, I find the robot motivation just to be kind of, weird you know uh like when it comes to robots i just don't know if they're that i don't know if there's this hyper intelligent uh you know robot i just don't know if it'd be that interested in humanity like i don't know i have a tendency to think like if you're like that smart you know like how interested are are we in ants you know <laughs> like like sure maybe there's some humans that torture ants and maybe there's some humans that like feed ants and and so you have, you know, all sorts of different human interactions with ants. And, of course, there's the occasional ant that gets squished underneath your foot. But but for the most part, if you think about it, most ants in, in the world, when you think about a whole world full of ants, they're kind of left alone by humans, right? Like most, hum most ants don't even ever come across a human in their lifetime. So, you know, maybe that's the same way. Like why would... Why would robots, like, like care, you know? So, anyways, uh, yeah, so... I am mother. Go ahead and check it out, and uh, you, will, you know while uh, while you're doing that, you can check out some of the video shows we have here on uh, RPA, and then of course RPA on Mondays, and I'm on Tuesdays. Terry's is on uh, Wednesdays, and Patrick Sean Jones on Thursdays, and of course we're all uh, erratic on when we release our episodes. So you know that's the general gist of it, but. Uh, you know, we'll we'll take days off here and there. So, and I, uh, you know, I think that's good. So, anyways, thank you for listening, and have a good night.